Welcome to Thrive Radio. I'm your host, Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Tammy Alvarez. She's a career coach helping ambitious leaders in financial services and STEM rebuild vibrant careers without compromise and land new roles in four to five months, earn 20% more on average and make a big impact. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amy. I'm thrilled to be here today. Yes. How did you become a career coach and who do you usually work for? My journey was a little bit different. Everybody has a different journey. I spent 30 years on Wall Street, working my way up to you know a senior level leader, managing director, C-suite, did all the big things, and I loved it. I was just so focused on my career and getting to the next level. And then I one day I just looked around and I'm like, I don't like this anymore. And I was wondering, is this really all there is? Because it just felt like it was the same stuff, different acronym, and it just got boring. And the timing was right for me in my life in terms of my daughter was graduating college. She was getting off the payroll. And long story short, I just cashed out of Wall Street, moved to a tropical island in Central America. So I'm off the coast of Belize and started my coaching business about four years ago and decided that this was my time to really give back to the community that I had lived and thrived in for so long. And um, I've never regretted a thing. It's been a hair raising experience in most cases and terrifying, but I wouldn't change a thing. <laughs> I absolutely love that. I mean, what a story. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing. I mean, it's crazy. It was before people even knew what Zoom was. And I lived in Manhattan and they're like, you're moving to where? Where's Belize? And it's this cute little island and we're big scuba divers, my partner and I. We are diving a couple times a week and both running businesses from down here based in the States and serving our customers from down here. And it's just the best of both worlds. Gosh, I love that. And walking through your journey, what are you grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful for so many things. I think the thing that I'm most grateful for are all the battle scars are all the losses. And I know that sounds crazy, but I always say you learn much more from your failures than you do your successes. Cause you just know that you don't want to do that again. And you learn so much. And, and I think all the times I've fallen down and all the times I've screwed up and not gotten it right. That helps me move my clients faster. But it helps me be a little bit more relatable in terms of, yeah, nobody is perfect and everybody screws up. The question is who's willing to admit it or not. And because of all those battle scars, it's just made me a stronger leader. It's made me more resilient. It's made me, I think, a better coach in just being able to resonate with, with people who are struggling to, to get where they want to go. Now, I have a quick question for you because you started your business before everyone was doing the stuff at home. There was a lot back then. It was a lot more in person. How did you start to grow your business? It was hard. And what I thought about it, because I was based in Connecticut, I decided to leave Manhattan and my partner is based in Connecticut. So all of our stuff is there. And, uh, but even if I was working out of Connecticut, my clients in the New York metro area, because I service mostly financial services professionals and they're Wall Street, but they live in New Jersey and Connecticut and Delaware and Pennsylvania. Like I wouldn't be on the road anyway. It was weird because people are like, where are you? And are you really working? There was that stigma. And of course the tan in the wintertime where people are like, what are you doing? But really where I grew my business was getting to know people on a personal level. I had looked at all of what I call the clickbait in terms of for new entrepreneurs. And it's like, if you put up a Facebook page and if you build a website and if you do the one click funnels, then you will have a million customers coming to you in no time flat. And that was just a colossal disaster. 
I did all the things. I went to all the experts and I did all the things they said, and I had zero customers. And that was a bit of an oh crap moment. And I needed to rethink about it. And the reason I'm in this business is to make a difference and to help people in their journey. But you can't help people in their journey from an arm's length away. You got to get in, you got to get messy, and you got to be there. And that's when I really started to grow my business is when I stopped following all the experts that became an overnight success after 30 years of practice and started to realize unless I really get into it with my customers and know what they're worried about and what they want for themselves and really understand them, then I'll never grow my business. And the minute I made that change, and there was one thing I heard that was really interesting in that I was always looking at my email subscribers, right? And I'm like, how many do I have? How many do I have? How many do I have? And I forget who I was talking to, but they're like, take care of the ones you have and don't worry about growing. And that was like a light bulb moment for me. It's like, I am not loving on my people and I'm still worried about getting more. And when I finally made that mindset shift change in that don't follow what everybody else is saying and get in with your customers and you can finish their sentences for them, then my business really started to take off. I love that. It's interesting because when I started my agency, which is wasn't not that long ago in August, I didn't do any of the digital, the typical digital marketing stuff either. I did the exact same thing that you said. I decided to make a goal for myself to build relationships with 2000 people a month. Oh my. Yeah. And a lot because, of relationships. Yeah. Well, because I had heard somebody say another marketer say that he, to succeed in his business, him and his buddies, you know, both started agencies and they reached 2000 people a month doing cold emails. And his, he said, the numbers are that 15 people out of the 2000 are going to actually, you know, need services and whether or not you can sell to them is going to be your success rate. And I thought to myself, I'm not much of a salesperson. I'm not salesy. And what would happen if I decided to build relationships with that many people? And then those that didn't necessarily need my services, if we have a great relationship, they'd be an advocate for my business, right? right. Yes. And get referrals and all of that kind of stuff. And And as a result, I grew my business faster than anyone ever has. I get 20 clients the first month. Yeah, that's all because you were getting close, right? And you were getting in there with them. Yeah, because I was getting in there with them. And I still try to do this and and is always ask people that come on my podcast, what problems they give me any advice as a marketer, that sort of thing. It has really opened my eyes. And even to understand, like when I started out, I didn't. I thought that coaches and consultants did this and now I realize they do. (laughs) Yeah. It's been a wonderful education. I I love your story because I can so relate with it. Definitely. How do you help those in the financial industry change what they do for a living? It's interesting because financial services is soul crushing right now. And it has been for years and it's just not fun anymore. And it's just a lot of aggravation and it's just not sexy. Let's face it. And it used to be. But when people spend their career in financial services, you get used to a certain lifestyle and the money is good. The status is good. The access you have to things are amazing. And people are like, I'm stuck. And they end up in this soul crushing grind, thinking that there are no other options out there unless they decide to give it all up, become a barista and live in a yurt, right? And nobody can do that. They've got houses, they've got toys, kids in college, all these things. And what I do is I work with clients that are you know, in financial services and in the STEM fields and other industries to figure out 
how do we move you from being paid for what you do? And it's a very, very different dynamic because when you're paid for all the bottle scars, when you're paid for the things, then you basically become bulletproof in terms of ageism, right? Because I help people that are in the mid to senior level leadership. They're in their last third of their career. They become bulletproof there and they're able to pivot to virtually any industry that they want to because of all of the transferable skills and the battle scars and the perspectives that they bring to the table. And most people can't see that for themselves because you're in it and you just can't see the forest through the trees. And when we work together, we just, I have a systematic process that I use where we deconstruct all of this one step at a time to go from, I know I'm successful. I know I have a lot to offer. I just don't know where to pivot to or how to use it to having a really clear direction on what's your next move, what's your value proposition, where does it fit in the marketplace? And then how do I go get that for myself? And it's just an amazing transformation that I work with my clients on either privately or through some group coaching offers that I have as well. I absolutely love that. Especially when you leave a firm like that, a lot of the things that you do, like they aren't like directly transferable. They're not, it's not obvious, right? It's but not when you obvious. In, yeah. It's, it goes into one of those buckets where it's as easy as how. Yeah. <laughs> and people are, are focused on becoming an expert in their career. They're not an expert in changing careers. And let's face it, when you're starting, I mean, you and I think of a similar background in that corporate first and figuring you're scrapping for everything. You don't have a choice. You take the promotions you get, you work as hard as you can, you learn as much as you can, but you do not have the luxury of choice for the first half of your career in most cases. And for the first time, a lot of these very, very um, accomplished and smart, successful, ambitious people have the luxury of choice. And it's like going to a Greek diner where it's got 700 pages and you don't know what to order for dinner, right? And when you have all these options, like, okay, your head starts to explode and you just don't even know where to start. And that's the fun part is just, okay, you can do so many things. How do we deconstruct where that best opportunity is that's going to light you up every day, but also be commercially viable. You can keep that lifestyle and still make the impact that you're used to making. Yeah. What are some of the ways that you can position yourself in the market differently? You know, I think most people do not create a publicly recognizable reputation or brand. They're known within their circle, they're respected, but they don't have what I would consider that voice in the marketplace and they need it because when you start to demonstrate leadership, when you start to demonstrate a contrarian point of view, or you start to chime in on other people's conversations and you're really throwing out some thought provoking questions, or you're just starting a conversation, like people think that that's a waste of time and it's not. And obviously I'm a big proponent of LinkedIn. It is a big part of how I get new clients. And it's a big part of how my clients get their customers and also find new work. And that is your first impression. Before anybody reaches out to you, before anybody talks to you, I think that's how we even met. And before anybody does anything, they are cyber stalking your LinkedIn profile. And if that doesn't just wow them and punch them in the face with all the things that they're excited to know, then you're going to get left behind. And I think that's an easy way for a lot of people who have been focused on, I've been in one financial services institution forever, or I'm in my area where everybody knows me to how do you get recognized as a thought leader? And I think that's an easy way um, for people to start doing that one post or one comment at a time. Yeah. What are some of the other top struggles that you help coach people through? 
Another area that I help a lot of my clients with are clients who are at the C-suite for the first time because the game is different and it changes, right? And so you go from leading all this work that you've done before, if worse comes to worse, you can pitch in and do the work to now the politics has changed. The playing field has changed. You don't know what half your team is doing and to be able to earn a seat at that table and thrive once you get there is a very, very big transition. I work with a lot of first-time leaders at that C-suite to really help them make, you know, not make all the mistakes I made because I've made plenty and make their own because they're more fun, but then really thrive once they get there and, and shorten that growing pain because everyone's watching. And that's the scary part. Like You can make a mistake when you're lower in the organization and no one's going to know. But as a C-level person and you have a royal screw up, I mean, that's all I was talking about. And you don't want to be defined by that. I really help them limit those circumstances and, and lead with strength as soon as they get there. Can you share some of your client success stories with us? Oh, there's, yeah, there's, there's so many, which that's what gets me lit, lit up, right? I used to be really excited about the investor calls and, or terrified, like, oh, we're going to get our bus kicked from the analyst this quarter. And now like, I just light up when my email pings and like, good things happen. And when one of my clients, she's actually a non-typical client in that she's in an industry that I don't normally support. And she was being faced with a huge challenge. She was okay with her role, didn't love it, but it was all right. She was struggling with her leadership, but they were all moving to LA. The company was moving to LA. She's a New Yorker. And it was basically like, you either move to LA or, and it was like a six month window. She had plenty of time to finagle around. That's when we started working together. Well, after working together for just three months, not only did she course correct her relationship with the leadership team, she got promoted and she was the only one allowed to stay. She didn't have to go. And like the best of both worlds, she didn't have to find a new job. She didn't have to do any of that stuff. She just started showing up bigger in her role. I have another executive that was looking to pivot. Soul crushing financial services, big compliance, regulatory, all that not fun stuff. And he just wanted to have fun. Like, I just want to have fun and be able to make money. We were able to figure out what are the things he's most passionate about. And he was most passionate about startups and helping new businesses. And he ended up pivoting into a role with a VC company. And so instead of actually doing the work, what he does now is he works with this VC company and he helps the startups they invest in, in their operations and grow safely and doing all that kind of fun stuff. So he's got an entirely new, you know, line of work where he's in the financial services industry, but he's not at all, right? He's in brick and mortar retail and helping these business leaders that have just gotten a bunch of money and a bunch of pressure and investments, figure out how that they're going to be able to do that. And then you've got the everyday things. I got an email last Friday from a client that I worked with a year and a half ago or a year ago. And she's like, I got another raise. I wouldn't have gotten this job without you. And just some of the basic stuff like that, all of the wins and even the wins that don't result in the, the big outcomes, the steps that people take, the, th the hard stuff that they step up and do, I celebrate because it is just, it's soul crushing. And it could be a slog trying to figure this out on your own. And I always joke around saying your brain, your mind is a dark and twisted place. So don't stay in it for too long. And so when they get out of their comfort zone and they start to do things that they wouldn't have normally done and they start to get the results they want for themselves, that's, that's what this is all about, right? This is where the big wins come in for me. I love that. So what do you think has been your truth that's gotten you this far in your journey? My truth took me a while to find because I spent a lot of time being somebody I wanted to be, not somebody that I was. 
And, you know, as I was coming through my career, I didn't go to college. I grew up poor, a lot of family drama. I decided that I was going to work and then kind of figure out what I wanted to do and then go to college later. Well, I didn't get my degree until I was 40. Yet I was still a managing director on Wall Street and I had all these things that I wasn't supposed to have. I spent a lot of time faking it until, you know, pretending I belonged because I didn't. Until I realized that my difference and my journey, the fact that my journey is different is why I was there in the first place, not because I was with everyone else. As soon as I just started admitting all the things and embracing who I really was, that's when I started to grow. And that's both professionally and personally. And I think we feel, especially in the corporate space and even in the entrepreneurial space, that we have to fit into this box and that we have to conform or blend or be relatable. But I, I think at the end of the day, when you live your truth, meaning authenticity is a often used word, but it's not often practiced. But when you just own all the bumps and bruises and all the good stuff and use that to your advantage, I think that that really helps you grow as a person and it helps you grow as a business person. I love that. If there's someone that is listening and they want to change careers, what piece of advice would you give to them? And there's so many people that are stuck on the sidelines because of uncertainty. What if it doesn't work? What if it's no better on the outside? What if I don't know what I want to do? What, you know, and all these, but the other thing is what if it's a powerful question? What if it does work? And what if you step into something that lights you up every day? And what if you make that huge difference for somebody else while you're at it? And in terms of changing careers, the uncertainty is what slows people down. And the doomsday scenario of I'm going to be poor, I've got to take a step back, I'm going to have to be a janitor, whatever. Um, It's just crazy the things that go on in people's heads. And so when you really look under your bed, the things that you're most afraid of, because you think there's monsters under your bed, they turn out to be dust bunnies. And so when you look at that, you're like, oh my God, all of this has been holding me back for so long. And it's actually things I can handle. And it's not monsters. People who are thinking about a career change, get help whether it's a friend, mentor, our services, there's great career coaches out there, but do it is the most important thing because when you are not at your best, you're not at your best for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I, I talk about those Sunday blues where you get that pit in your stomach on Sunday afternoon. It's like, oh, Monday's coming. I don't want to do this. And you just know that you're in for another day of just stupid emails and dumb meetings and all these things that you just don't want to do. And it shows up in how you work. I don't care how well you try and fake it. It shows up in your presence in terms of your presence and engagement with your family, with your friends. And it just, it's not worth it. And right now, more than ever, the market is ridiculously hot. No big between September or October, November, the U.S. saw a record high number of voluntary resignations. People are just saying, peace out. I'm not doing this anymore. And so with that, in the whole great resignation and all the things that are going on right now, there is never a better time to pivot to something that you may or you, that you've never done or you want to try than right now. And so for all of those, 2020 was going to be my year, 2021 is going to be my year. And now it's like, okay, we're going to do it this year. This is a great time to do it. That would be my advice is just to take action and stop thinking about it. I love that. If there's someone that's listening that would love to get in touch with you, what is the best way to contact you? 
Yep. Best way to contact us is either through my LinkedIn profile, which I'm sure will be in the show notes. You can also reach me through our website. So if you go to careerwondercircle.com, you'll get um, all the information on what we're doing in terms of the work that we do and how you can engage. And you can also schedule a complimentary career strategy conversation with me where we go and figure out where are you and where do we need to be um, and how you might get there. Plenty of ways to reach us. That's for sure. I love it. Tammy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise today. Amy, it's been great. Thanks so much for the invite. Yeah. And if you're listening, I will put all of her links down below. And if you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone and have a wonderful week.